Welcome to Ridge to Ridge Outdoors Podcast. Brought to you by Willow Creek Archery. Located in Temecula, California and serving SoCal for over 32 years as a premier archery shop with a 13-lane indoor range. Brett and his staff will have you 10 ringing in no time and get you confident for the upcoming season. It has everything you need to get you on the podium or filling freezers. Willow Creek has all the major brands and specializes in bow hunting, target shooting, and tuning bows. And Tricer USA for all your lightweight backcountry hunting needs. For the lightest and the fastest glassing system on the market, check out the Tricer AD and BC tripods, along with the Tricer LP panhead and bino adapter. Make sure you use promo code R2R for 10% off at checkout. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Ridge to Ridge Outdoors podcast. Uh, This is going to be the third episode that we have recorded in regards to the copper-led debate and what we have been seeing in the local mountains of Southern California. Uh, On the other line, uh, we actually, well, hold on, before that, I got Chris Kloster next to me. How's it going, everyone? We are knee deep in this discussion it we've been talking about this uh between ourselves we've been talking to our friends we've been talking to a lot of the listeners and we have found that there is an issue with the factory um boxed copper rounds that we are um available to buy at our local stores um if your rifle isn't shooting correctly. You don't have the right twist rate, but and we're looking for other options for the listeners. That being said, uh, we have Sam from McGuire Ballistics on the other line, and he is a lo- not a local company, but he's a, um, a a California state company. He's actually out of Paso Robles. Uh, Sam, how you doing, bud? Good, sir. How are you? Doing good. Me and Chris are here, and um, we really. <clears throat> to be honest with you, we really just want to hear about your product. We want uh, to hear all about it, like the performance, the speeds you're getting out of it, calibers you you um, offer, and and basically the downrange terminal performance in animals, right? The, what we're having happen down here is basically we're getting pencil in and pencil out and very little blood. And that's concerning because we have a lot of new hunters um, out of Southern California that listen to this podcast and have expressed displeasure with what's available on the market from factory loads. And we understand that McGuire projectiles, the projectiles you produce are hand loads. Um, But our listeners are actually diving into that as well. And we just want to do some research for them and just hear the ins and outs of the products you offer. Awesome. Well, I appreciate the opportunity. No problem, bud. No problem. So I guess you could just start off by just explaining uh, how your company was formed and, and talk about that. And we'll go from there. Okay. Um, my family was been in aerospace for uh, 40 years and as well as um, come from like avid outdoorsmen. That's kind of what I grew up doing with my dad and family and hunting and all that. And it's just kind of you just get a certain line, I guess, of individuals that pay attention to like small details. And that was kind of always me. I started guiding. Um, I got my guide license the day I turned 18 and I, this will be my, um, basically 
20th year of, of guiding. And so nice. 2008 rolled around our area was the first to kind of have the lead stuff. Um, the lead band, there was an issue, there was a core area kind of central California and then the rest of the state, I believe it was 2019 is when the rest of the state went. Correct. Um, and basically, you know, even the, um, the journey kind of started before the lead ban even came. We were seeing, I guess at that time was really hot rod, fast, high expanding, smaller projectiles, not heavy per caliber stuff like you see nowadays. And, um, a lot of wounding going on, just like over what I call over expansion, just, um, not getting the projectiles into the, um, the body cavity, which is the really the only place that matters. I guess central nervous system is also important. Bone structure is also important. But if you're talking like, you know, your mid-body shots or shoulder shots or whatever like that, you the only thing that's killing that animal is getting it into the thoracic cavity and causing, you know, massive damage and killing it. And so we were actually having issues with projectiles at that time. Um, then the the uh, lead ban happened, and I remember thinking to myself, "This is kind of interesting. What will, what's going to come of this? Um, you know, a lead core bullet wrapped in a copper jacket is not new technology." And I kind of thought that something, something would come out, and nothing ever really did. Um, around 2013, I was working in the shop with my dad and we just started talking about it and basically kind of made the decision that we're going to chase this. And almost 10 years later was our launch date. So we spent a lot of time working on it, fine tuning it. Um, I mean, years of impact testing, very quiet about it because we had some ideas on it that we didn't want to get out. And uh, yeah, here we are now. Right. So Sam, you hit the scene in early 2022 and from there it looks like your product has really spread like wildfire so i've seen some of the wound cavity photos um that you share on your instagram and there's some there's like phenomenal performance how did you guys go from the idea or concept hey we want to make bullets to having a bullet that is so effective so quickly was that was that part of your development that you kind of kept under wraps or what was the what was the r&d like when you're first our, our yeah the r&d is it was guiding and watching what was actually happening on game i mean that the wounding was a massive issue i mean back in your few years ago i go back and you're talking 70 percent of big boars were getting wounded and we're dealing with them like on our hands and knees yeah. um and it was like this can't i mean there's got to be a better way to do this and guys how they adjusted for it was just bigger guns with you know and you're getting some we were getting some you know 300 wind mags and 338s and some of three even 375s and stuff like that try to accommodate and knock down the wounding from some of the customers um you know and 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 the wounding oh i'm sorry bud keep going yes no you're good oh i was gonna say the wounding uh that was happening because high velocity like super fast high velocity rounds that were expanding uh, on impact. So basically, like if you smashed them in the shoulder, you were just blowing a shoulder up and you weren't actually driving that um, that plug straight into that animal, correct? 
Yeah, you're getting over. I mean, over expansion, and it depends on the time frame you're talking about. I guess first to start, like the the wounding was we where we guided out was these there were, some of the ranches had some really big pigs on it and stuff, and these things lived in just horrible canyons, and they would slip out, you know, right on the edge of dark, and you would hit them, and they might hit the ground and get up. The other thing was just accuracy, like how well were these rifles actually shooting at the time? Was, I, who knows, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, then you, we would just, the ones we would recover because we'd have dogs and I would spend six hours on my hands and knees tracking these things because I was kind of low man on the totem pole at that time. So at that time, yeah, it was, it was not a copper problem. It was a, it was just a highly frangible, smaller bullet, high velocity lead problem. So, right? and if, as, yeah. as we moved forward, um, I would say the other end of that was, you know, the, the, bullets suffered i'd say the not other non-lead options that kind of came up where they really suffered was in the lower velocity ranges and stuff like just low bcs low velocity um the, I mean, they were drastically reducing their the bullet speed over short periods of time i remember seeing you know, top the top end bc bullets years ago were like in the 390 G1, that's just ridiculously low. Like the bullet just couldn't maintain any type of velocity for any type of distance, you know? So that was where, kind of depending on the time frame you're talking about, that's where we started seeing issues on the non-lead side was just, they really just did not do any any good at, at the longer distances. And as an outfitter, you guys are killing pigs all the time. So you get to see like your product develop into and refine its, its expansion capabilities and yeah. you, you finally came to a place where you were happy and decided to release that bull to the public. Is that, is that how it transpired? Yeah. Years of impact testing, everything, all the bullets look really good. Like impacts look really good above 2,500 feet per second, which some of these big overbore hot magnums can do that for a long ways. Um, and so getting them to really function under that was, I mean, into the two under the two thousands is where it really like, that's where that's where we really spent a lot of time. I think we spent two years just impact testing, getting them to function under two, roughly two, 2000 or under feet per second. And as we're doing that, we're walking them through guiding and hunting and every, and, and, you know, with the pigs, deer, elk running in state out, I guided out of state as well. So, um, yeah. So the bullets that you're offering, as far as I've seen, for a uh, uh, copper bullet designed for hunting, they have the highest ballistic coefficient available. There are other ones that are not designed for hunting, but with that higher BC that you guys are maintaining, that bullet's going to maintain that velocity better f- uh, over time, and which will increase the lethality on impact too. That's uh, a bit. That's a yeah. That's a it helps for sure. I was looking at. I was looking at your. Um, uh, I think it's your six five, your hundred twenty five grain bullet. That thing shares the same BC as a lot of target bullets. Yes, and that thing's going to deflect the wind. It's going to maintain velocity, which is really going to help that impact velocity. Where some of the other available copper selections, they just pass four hundred yards. They they just fall flat. Yeah, and I, I kind of have my own opinion. Like I hear a lot of guys talk about. 15 16 1800 foot per second like expansion ranges bullets even that that will expand under you know at those i i believe keeping them above 2000 feet per second right even you know makes that bullet like that much deadlier when it impacts an animal so yeah. i reference everything to 2000 feet like i i want to 
when I was designing bullets, I, I never did. It's nice that they'll fall under that 2000 foot per second and expand. But I'm, I'm more thinking, I'm, I'm more thinking of keeping them above that because of the, even when they do expand below that, the damages are so much less at, you know. Gotcha. Now your, your product, obviously it's available for, for hand loaders to, to roll their own, so to speak. Now you've got a couple different lines of bullets. You've got a single feed and you've got a magazine feed. Will you, will you touch on that a little bit? So our listeners know when, if they're going to order your projectiles, why you list them that way and, and why they were constructed yeah. that way? When we were developed, so the, the kind of the cool aspect of, yeah, so the, the tip, the way that it is, copper has a one-way deformation path. It doesn't have any memory, so it doesn't have ability to spring back. If you, I don't know if you guys have ever found a polymer tip in an animal. I have not. Um, I, I have seen them, and they look basically identical to what they look like on the end of the bullet. Oh, really? So that bullet has, yes, and that bullet has the ability. So polymer has like a memory or spring back or whatever. Copper does not have that. Right. Once the deformation starts, it's a one-way street. Mm-hmm. And so with our single feed bullet, we really developed it like that. So that we're trying to break through all the barriers that all the other non-lead bullets have, you know, basically had in front of them. And that's like make a thousand yard plus capable stuff that like will easily compete with a lot of the, you know, the lead bullets. Mm-hmm. So for us, it's like we wanted that tip to basically start to deform and plunge into the cavity and start expansion as fast as possible. But what that did in short boxed um, rifles, tight boxed, I'm sorry, like tight to the tip and loose kind of springs where they're not holding them real well, is recoil was damaging the tips um, quite a bit. And so basically we're able to tune up the magazine feed bullets same profile everything is identical weight it's basically immeasurable but there's an internal wall thickness there that makes the tip a little bit tougher and gives it the ability to handle a little bit of recoil inside of the magazine and and maintain shape right gotcha and that and that honestly that's even a consideration for a hand loader if they're running light neck tension under recoil that bullet will move in the in the uh brass as well so this is just something that the hand loader is going to pay attention to um that's pretty cool that you have that option for even a softer or or thinner wall tip for your for your initial shot yeah i mean that that all boils down into accuracy man you 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 damage the tip of that bullet and send it down your send it down your barrel down range is going to be different yes sir yeah i mean even the i mean other bullets are they're like you like uh brandon was saying was the the bullet can move inside of there especially like you know high precision ammunition or high precision ammunition is one to two thousand neck tension so if you have that it's like and it's slamming in front in in that magazine it's going to move it i've talked to guys and they're like they're chasing a problem like i don't know like i had it shooting good and all of a sudden it went bad and a lot of times it's the the magazine slapping it it is avoidable i tell guys like it is there are certain magazines that do really well with them that you don't have to worry about it. You can run all single feeds. And that's why we, we listed magazine sensitive on there. Right. Because there is like, you know, you take a Wyatt extended box mag or you take an unknown, um, unknown box 
lots of room there. They have that 3.95 inch that's like basically and holds them really well. We had a 300 Norma we were playing with and it's running the 195s out of a 22 inch barrel at 3280. And it was maintaining the bullets in the magazine, not damaging them. So there is ways around it. Um, not everybody. I just, and I try to educate. I'm wide open. Anybody wants to call me or talk to me about it. I have no problem. I'll jump on the phone and try to cover it. Um, I get, when I see those guys ordering both, I'm like, cool, man. They heard kind of the message because you can run, um, you know, the magazine feed bullets in the bottom of your magazine, your first shot on, as like your initial, your initial shot. And then they run like a short action customs, um, shell holder bullet holder on the side and so that's like you can run your single feeds there so if you got to just get your long range now some of this stuff like i'm getting reports back from guys especially like the six five i mean sub two thousand foot per second and they're they're getting expansion like i had one guy he just shot an elk at 580 yards of the six five creedmoor um 29.50 i believe was the muzzle velocity and it, i checked it was like 1980 was impact velocity right and i asked them like how you know that's like kind of pushing it for me for that bullet i mean the single feed i've gotten it in the 1800s on our on our impact testing um and i asked the guy i'm like what did it look like he goes the lungs were jello i said well that's all you can ask for right so that one there in particular and they're not all the same i'm gonna get it on there and list them all really I've been really working on the numbers, exact numbers on them. Um, but that one in particular, like I don't need, especially running them in the faster mag, the faster magnums. I don't think it really matters. Like you can run those magazine feeds for a long ways. Right. For a guy that can take a projectile, obviously he's going to have to handle it, but to be able to take a projectile and take an ethical shot at an elk at 500 yards with a Creedmoor is it. You, you can't ask for anything more than that. Right. At 500 yards. Absolutely. The thing is, is, is I've like, I do a lot of digging on YouTube. And if you were to take a poll or just your own survey on YouTube, when you start, if you dived into long range rifle builds, right? The majority of the long range rifle builds on YouTube or any social media platform are either six, five Creedmoor, or 6.5 PRC. The, the 6.5 is such a popular caliber right now. And there's a lot of hate on Creedmoor. Uh, to be completely transparent with you, Sam, a lot of our listeners, and they shoot a 6.5 Creedmoor and a Ruger American Predator. That is like the go-to gun. It's all over the internet. It's, it's one of the best budget rifles you could get. And these guys are taking these guns to the range and slam and steal seven, 800 yards, no problem, right? Well, the problem with that is that we're in California, you're not shooting lead. So if dudes are slamming steel on, in, you know, seven, 800 yards at the range, they go hunting. And next thing you know, they're taking longer shots, right? And when their rounds aren't opening up, this is the problem that we're having. And I'm not, right. I'm not saying that these guys should be shooting that far, but we've also had instances. Um, I heard about one. I wasn't there in particular, but my good buddies were, and they were helping our friend uh, fill his tag, and he smashed a doe at 100 yards, at 100 yards. And I'll say it, it was with a Barnes LRX 127 grain. And this round went in and went out, and there was – Dang near no blood, man. Like a drop or two where the doe was standing. And uh, 
they tracked that thing and it did a big loop. They ended up finding it, but there was no blood on the ground, man. They just gritted out and eventually found it. And it's like, it's insane that at a hundred yards with a factory round that it did not open up enough to put this thing on the ground. Not, not to, not to mention like, let alone drop it right at a hundred yards. Right. But then on the same token, I smashed a buck last year at 70 yards, dropped it in his tracks with a hand-loaded 127 grain LRX. So I I don't know, man. Like, it's just weird to me that, you know, and I don't know why the factory loads aren't performing the way that they're described, or maybe it's just the one-offs because there's some guys that love it, that love that round. And and accuracy-wise, like coming out of my gun, it shoots good. I'm not going to lie. But I want to I, when I when I pull the trigger, Sam, and I impact on an animal, like I want to make sure that animal goes down, and not not five hundred yards later. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. I've seen the the entry wounds and I've seen the exit wounds of your rounds, and dude, they're wild. They they ain't going five hundred yards, dude. They ain't going five feet, bro. <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where it's like. Obviously, you guys are doing something that's producing uh, great in and out wounds. You know, we don't. Yeah, we don't. I've I've had. I don't. I've never had a bad terminal report, and I'm open to it. Anybody has any issues? Let me know. I'd love to. I'd love to know about it and fix it. Um, wide open to it, but we just don't. We don't get back. I mean, the our feedback is I shot it and it died really fast. And that, that's hard to be And as many animals you guys kill as outfitters right. and pigs. That's a, that's an opportunity for a lot of, uh, you know, firsthand knowledge of what's going on as an outfitter in California running pigs. Um, I mean, it, it would be, I'd be a fool to think that like, you're not having clients shooting your projectiles at pigs up there. Um, I reckon I, I, I don't like other, I mean, it's, I have obviously I'm biased, but, um, I I don't like seeing other bulls show up. Yeah, and and you do see that, right? Um, I yeah. Let's I'll keep it a little. Um, I've seen yes, I've seen guys. I've yeah, I've seen all everything you can think of on a. I mean, like I we do the necropsies on everything. Yeah, no matter what, if it's my projectiles or somebody else's projectiles, I'll sit there and poke around in it for ever. I take a bunch of pictures. I want to know what's going on. Entry, exit. That's part of them. I get you know, I'll get feedback from guys, and they're like, they, they um, like what happened? They're like, I don't know. I shot it as dead. I'm like. Okay, well, what did the entry look like? What did the exit look like? What did the inside of the entry look like? What did the inside of the exit look like? Right, and right. trying to go through these things, what did the heart, what did these lungs look like? How did the animal react? And it's like, it just died. And I'm like, okay, well, it's not <laughs> helpful. But yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't like the the anxiety of, um, I don't like the anxiety of, of blood tracking the amount of tracking I've done over the years is I'm sure rivals anybody. Yeah. And, and basically since we've kind of had this and, or these, I've talked to my partner about it and I'm like, when's the last time we, we've never had an animal. We try to phone scope everything. And, um, just so we know where the animals hit, which helps a lot because Absolutely. I think there is probably a lot of misidentified animals getting hit and they think, Oh, I hit it and it bullet zipped through and, and so, like, we really try to, like, 
um, film it so we can uh, see what happens and everything. But we've never had an animal shot through the body cavity. It wasn't basically immediately recovered. Right. Um, part of that has to do with how accurate these rifles are and, and the accuracy of the bullet. That can't be understated. I mean, these things are just shoot ridiculously well and, and everything I've worked on and the feedback I get from guys is just how easy they are to load for. Um, so that, that is a huge part of it. But yeah, the as far as the, the terminal ability and all that, like that's where we've tried to and I didn't, just to be perfectly honest, I didn't get into this for, for environmental reasons or anything else. Like, I got into this because I wanted a better bullet. It wasn't lead or non-lead. It was, I wanted to purely make a better bullet to stop some of the uh, wounding that we were dealing with and everything else. Kind of from a selfish standpoint, you know? Yeah, I mean, you're um, sick and tired of fighting these hogs on your hands and knees. No. And, and I mean, I'd go out of state and we'd have some you know, new hot rod cartridge come out with some new bullet. And then I'm dealing with a $10,000 mule deer that's shot in the shoulder with a blown up, you know, blown up shoulder and it's down in a coolie. Like, and then you got the hunter looking at you and you're looking, you're not, you know, you're trying to figure out what happened. And it was all, I mean, it's been across the board. And basically our goal, we call it an all range projectiles. You know, you could put that in the side of an animal and pull the trigger, or you can put it out there until the, you know, 2000 or eight, depending but let's just say 2000 feet per second is reached and it's going to kill it yeah and so that's why we'd call it that it's just it doesn't matter the distance on it um there is you know you do get different um performance that's kind of one thing like there is no set standard of what the bullet does if you launch it at 3300 feet per second out of a 28 nozzler uh, like our 160 it is not going to do the same you know the same thing at 3100 as it does at 2000 Correct. But the good thing is, is across that spectrum, it will absolutely um, displace vital tissue within the animal and kill it. Right, right. And that's what you want. And that, that, that that's the thing that everyone needs to understand is that the majority, if you look on the box of, uh, look on the back of a box of ammunition, sometimes they, they'll show you pictures of ballistic gel that's had the, the, uh, what do they call that word where it goes into gel? The, well, the, they'll have a temporary wound cavity and a permanent yeah, wound cavity. Yeah, th- they'll show the picture of, like, the temporary cavity and then the the permanent wound cavity, right? And generally speaking, that's not shot at 400 yards. Like, that's maybe 100 yards away, you know, that picture that's taken. So it's one of those things where the listeners need to understand that this bullet may perform great at short distances, but the further you get out, the less likely... Not speaking about McGuire uh, ballistics. I'm speaking about like the factory loads that are out there. Um, they just don't perform like you said, Sam. They don't perform the same as when you're at 100 yards or 200 yards. You know, they just don't. They it it it's physics. Like the velocity these rounds are flying through the air on impact greatly determines the, the outcome of what that bullet does internally in an animal. So the the temporary wound cavity that's what you know that you'll see in a commercial when it's X brand bullet right you see that that gel open up mm-hmm. uh, the carbon shoot out the back that's a temporary wound cavity what I want in a bullet is that permanent wound cavity mm-hmm. so Sam for the listeners if you guys go to his Instagram he sent me pictures of permanent wound cavities where he's got his fist through the rib cage on these animals yes I mean massive expansion. 
He sent me a picture of an, uh, I believe it was a, uh, the heart, was it of an elk, Sam? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just a, a bolt, just so. filleted open, like, mm-hmm. absolutely filleted open. Uh, wild, permanent wound cavities. And, and this is the thing about permanent wound cavities, right? The truth about that is that the larger the permanent wound cavity, the faster that animal is going to go down. And we're all hunters. Like, we want that animal to go down as fast and as ethically as possible. And the way you do that is to make sure that there's a larger permanent wound channel. And that's a lot of the issue that a lot of these guys are having is that that permanent wound channel is not very big when it goes in and when it goes out. And we are looking for options that provide that uh, permanent wound channel of a larger caliber. So, Sam, hand loading is getting uh, more and more predominant. Uh, it's becoming a hobby for folks rather than a necessity to necessity to make ammo. It's becoming a hobby for guys now. So if a listener is going to load up whichever bullet you manufacture, where, where should that guy start as far as load data? Where should he start with seating depth? Uh, give him a few pointers if someone's going to buy your bullets and, and, and roll their own. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to do a, I'm actually going to do a video on it cause it's, extremely simple um so where i start at is is um yeah let's just use the six five creedmoor because i've loaded up a handful of them with our bullets and i'll kind of give you i'll tell you exactly what i do and hopefully it helps a few folks out but uh brass prep i believe is important you get the brass in so you order your you order your brass um you next size it and then chamfer it and then expand it. You take like a Sinclair or there's a few other brands out there and then you re-expand the neck and that gives you, you want, in my opinion, you want one to two thousandths of neck tension from the ID. Now the, the OD, if you have a um, wall thickness, um, if the wall thickness is not, you can have, you can have basically discrepancy there where it's like there's, you know, two thousandths wall thickness from, and if you're pushing that in from the outside, I can give you inconsistent uh, neck tension. So I like to trim it, ex- uh, chamfer it, and then expand it with a mandrel with the Sinclair ID. And then um, basically once you have like um, all your brass and, it, you know, all your brass is prepped and everything's like baseline. So you're not, you're not chasing something weird. It's good to know too, like if you have a good shooting gun, if you go in and you get a brand new rifle and, and you go straight into low development. I've seen rifles where it's 50 to a hundred rounds before that barrel stabilizes. And you don't know exactly where that thing's going to wind up. So I like, let's say I grab a new Ruger American six, five, mm-hmm. I'm going to go buy three boxes of, um, we'll just forty ELDM ammunition. I'm going to go play with that gun and make sure it holds zero. I'm going to make sure it tracks properly. I'm going to play with it just, you know, make sure like check it a few times. That's a big thing with guns is like, there is a lot of like, if you have a scope or scope ring issue or uh, bedding issue or whatever, that guns or, you know, uh, and it's not returning to zero and you're trying to go straight into low development. Our bullets are very expensive. They're very hard to manufacture and, but they are very expensive. And so I tell guys, make sure that gun is baseline and it's shooting properly before you go into, and the barrel's broken in. 
Right. So let's just say all that stuff. You got your brass, your guns, your barrels broken in, you're ready to rock and roll. You know the gun shoots. So I'll just go to my, um, I go 20 thousandths off the, off the lands, 20 thousandths jump. They're non-jump sensitive. I don't have, I've jumped them anywhere from, um, I had a buddy with a 300 weatherby and it was like over half an inch of, of jump. And it still shot sub half minute. So I believe it. That's that's how the weatherbees yep. do it. <laughs> yep. It was a little funny. Little funny. So it was like they're they're non jump sensitive. I do like to run them a little closer. It seems like copper bullets. There is like some sort of pressure spike thing that happens that you get more velocity and probably a little more consistent. I, I wouldn't say this is like one hundred percent, but let's say our ESs and our SDs are really seem to be held really well at like twenty thousandths for whatever reason. So I'm going to pull in there. I'm never, I never chase seating depth. Um, it's going to be at 20 thousandths. Let's say H 4350. I'm going to start at 40, 40 grains. I'm going to start bouncing it up half grain at a time until you're going to see like, um, a pressure spike, you know, you'll see it going like 15, 20 feet per second increase per half grain. And all of a sudden you'll see like a 50 foot per second or, or quite a bit more anyways. A lot of times at that pressure spike, let's say it's 42.5 or 42 grains. And that sucker is going to pull right into like, you know, one hole and your ESs are going to go. So a lot of times almost to nothing. I've had ESs of one or two feet per second, pretty consistently with a gun across a lot of ammunition. Um, That's like muzzle loader extreme spread and standard deviation. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Creedmoor seemed to do really like it's like now H4350. And that's a, I, I've seen other guys getting more velocity and stuff, but that's a pretty easy, like everybody I've talked to that's running that with the, with the H4350 does really well. And it's roughly the same thing 2815 to 2850 out of a 22 inch style barrel. Um, some guys I know they're running them you know, 29, 29, 50, little longer barrels and some of the different powders. But, um, yeah. And basically I'm going to bounce that thing up until I kind of want to see where I want to, a lot of times it's, it's right below where you're going to start seeing a little bit of pressure signs, a little bolt click or a little bit of stamping or something like that. Um, and even after it groups real well, I tell guys like, be careful about just stopping because, a lot of times they will just generally shoot good all the way through development and you might be missing quite a bit of performance there. But, um, yeah, I'll bounce it up half grain at a time until it pulls in and, um, or I just, maybe it doesn't work and I got to change powder, but that would, that would be a, you know, just, uh, that's how I would do it. A good starting point. Yep. Like what, what is like, what is the max velocity that, that, you're seeing like i think you said 2850 is that what you're saying yeah the bullet on our if you look at the nice pretty expanded bullets on our website those Mm -hmm. are those were from impact testing into a bag of water not one in particular the six five that was uh 600 yards 2850 was a muzzle velocity and i believe it was like mid 1800s or something like that was the impact velocity into a bag of water oh really Yes, looking that's, at it right now, that's pretty awesome. And then you've got you've got a line. Um, do you guys start at six millimeter and go up from there? Yes, and up to thirty cal, correct? Yep, and I'm working on three thirty eight and three seventy fives right now. Interesting, interesting. Um, 
So you've got um, you also have a match and target line. Now is that um, is that could someone consider that for a, a, a hunting round as well, or is it just not even not even an no, option? It's pure. So it's I've kind of so these these profiles of these bullets um, seem to work really well. So I've kind of used these things. So let's take our six five. 125 grain. Well, you take the cavity out of, out of it for expansion. That's our 135 target bullet. It okay. is the same exact bullet without a cavity. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yep. Same exact profile. Um, oh, really? So you could switch that over and literally run it. Like, you just can't, obviously, you got to do different load development and whatever. But yep. then on the hollow point side, the hollow point is the exact profile as the one tw- our one twenty five hollow point is the exact profile of our one twenty five copper rose, minus the tip and at that certain wall thickness that really helps with the with the expansion. Mm-hmm. And I've ran those at the same load, in the basically the same hole with the same groups. Wow. They will shoot identical. So oh, you really? can like yep. If and I tell guys like if you're not doing this real long range stuff. Uh, and you're just playing like just hold over or just aiming dead on an animal. Those hollow points are fantastic. So seating depth doesn't change. Don't have to adjust your seating die. You just adjust your powder charge because you've got a little heavier weight and that's it. Same outside profile. Yes. That's awesome. That's awesome. And really? you know, you've got, so you've got a, 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 a bullet for the 270, which is awesome because I, I personally love 270 caliber, but there's, there's not a lot of selection for it. And that's 128 grain. That's a that's a bitchin' looking round you've got of that bullet. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite one of my favorite bullets I've developed. Oh really? And in a, it suits a one in ten twist too, if I recall. That's that's where it, that's where the magic happened with that one. It was like, what can? How far can I push this thing? The problem with a 270, in my opinion, I have never been a big fan of them. Um, I've had a lot of, you just kind of notice things when you're guiding, like wounding or, um, yeah, I guess wounding would be the biggest thing, right? So tons of wounding over the years um, with pigs. The deer, not so much or whatever, but, and it, the 270 Winchester, in my in my opinion, kind of sits in a weird spot. The bullet doesn't, you know, it's not a real high BC bullet. It's not real big. It's not real not real fast it just sits in this weird place right you take a 30 out six you shoot a big 180 grain bullet out of it you take a 25 out six you're at 3250 it's like you know you take their 130 grain and it's or 140 grain and it's running whatever maybe 3000 or i don't quote me on that but something like that right mm-hmm. lower bc and i had enough guys bugging me about it i wasn't even going to look at it and um I spent a lot of time looking at like what I could get away with. And I pushed that thing to the limits of what a 10 twist could do. And like, I would cough, we built, I have a 270 that we, um, accurized and did everything. I would have zero. I, I would have no problem taking that rifle on a mule deer hunt, shooting a mule deer with it at 800 plus yards. Oh, whoa. There you that go. bullet there, that bullet doubles the 270s Winchester's performance. That, that, uh, G one, BC is is pretty phenomenal for a guy that has a 270 that doesn't have a reliable copper round to go hunting that'll stabilize in most all 270s i don't know if there's a 270 that has a slower twist than one in 10 yep. um, but that's a that's a fantastic bullet for that little niche um hunter right there 
that I had a I had a customer. He it was actually two seventy so two seventy Winchester short mag, um, and he had to fit it in to a uh, two point eight five like the three hundred eight box that the rifle was built on. Mm-hmm. So he was pretty restricted on powder capacity and jump, and but he had it I think thirty two thirty two sixty. So it was going. Yeah, it's cooking. Yeah, and he went to Canada and he shot a doll sheep with it at 550 yards he shot a giant mountain caribou and he shot a bull moose with it at sub 100 yards and the bull moose didn't go i think less than 30 yards for it piled up yeah with that 128 grain bullet what so. kind of what kind of performance are you getting out of your 30 out six you know i just honestly i don't i've done very little with 30 out six i mean if it performs anything like the other ones i'm sure it's a I'm sure it just smashes. Yeah, I've I've got a buddy that runs a bunch of the 168 um, hollow points and our standard 168 copper rose and a 308, and he just, I mean, he makes a mess. It kind of puts that bullet into a really nice velocity range. I I would say probably some of the best performance we get is in the sub-2,500 foot range. And so with him pushing it 2,700 feet per second, 2750 i think i mean he's right down into that and it's been he's been a really good um source for me because he guides and shoots a bunch of stuff and yeah yeah the terminal reports back i've had from him just been phenomenal with that so right are you uh are you thinking about and i i don't know i gotta i gotta look more but um i'm assuming that the 125 grain and the 65 creedmoor is the the lowest grain weight you have yes i have I'm actually going to repurpose our six mil, mm-hmm. which is kind of, you know, I can, I can read, I can kind of move a few numbers around and, and that would drop it down a little bit, probably like a one fifteen grain six, five. Yeah. Um, and so I'm thinking about that. I got kind of two different, I got guys asking for bigger, bigger ones and, and then smaller ones on the other end. Yeah. Um, a lot of people don't know what they're asking for when they're asking for bigger bullets. I mean, these, if you take our our one sixty eight seven millimeter bullet, it's a hundred and twenty five thousandths longer than a hundred ninety five grain burger. It's massive. Wow. Oh yeah. Physical size of it. So I try to post pictures and stuff of these things, like next to lead bullets, and they're so much bigger. Um, and so guys are wanting like one thirty five, one forty grain copper in the six five, and it's like, man, I hope you're freaking got a twist rate ready for that. You it's know? because it's probably because they're pushing the PRC and they just don't quite understand what's going on. Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like that one twenty five grain uh, out of a PRC, that thing's going to be zipping well over three thousand feet per second. It's all you need, man. It's like be eight hundred yard gun, yeah, I imagine. And that thing would just crush. You know, that's a crush. Yeah, that, that's why I brought up a lighter weight grain because if <clears throat> you know you're running like an a 90, a 95 grain or a 115 grain, just a standard Creedmoor round pushing 3,000 feet per second. Like, dude, that's, that's, you know what I mean? Like four or 500 yards yeah. all day. Yeah. I think you could take our, our single feet bullet and you could, I mean, that's especially if you, as soon as you go up to elevation and stuff like that, that's mm. where you start adding those things. But yeah, you could, it, and that's the thing that people got to realize is like, you're adding, it's like the 270 bullet. You, like, well, the, yeah, that 580 G1 that we have on that 270 bullet isn't high in comparison to, like, everything else out there, but you add 3,200 feet per second to it, 
mm-hmm. in a 271 Chester, and that starts to add up. Right, and and listen, I'm I'm bringing up velocities with a lower grain bullet and uh, talking about the PRC and and having the 125. I, I'm speaking velocity specifically um, for the downrange effect. I'm not I'm not advocating for like long range shooting. I'm just saying like <laughs> if you're running 3,300 feet per second with a 125 grain out of your PRC and you smash something at 200 yards, which is more than uh, acceptable, right, for the average hunter to be shooting 200 yards, that, that animal is going to just get crushed, right? And yes. that's the same thing with that the Creedmoor with the, the 115 grain that you're repurposing. Like, shorter distance, faster bullet, the, the way that these bullets are expanding, that's what we want. We want devastating impacts that leave blood trails, if not shocks the animal to drop it right there that's what we are looking for as ethical hunters in your opinion the the smaller six fives for the for the creedmoor would be what you'd be looking for uh i mean you know okay so because currently i'm shooting uh my round at what was it 25 60 and i'm shooting 39.5 grains of age 4250 and I'm, uh, it's not cooking very fast. It's 25, 60, or 25, 40, something like within 10 FPS right there with a 127 grain round. So What's your barrel like? 22 inches. Got it. So you're trying to you're trying to extend your lethal range. Is what I, you're trying no, to I want more impact velocity okay. at shorter ranges. Okay. I don't believe at 200 yards I should be hitting them at, you know, 2200 which you're Correct. probably probably hitting it at 2200 <clears throat> i want to smash that thing at 2700 feet per second i want the most damage done possible at a shorter distance because i'm not some big long-range hunter i mean i know my capabilities and and i'm not just unrealistic about that i am 100 percent trying to if i'm going to squeeze off around at an animal i'm trying to kill that animal as quickly and as fast as possible and energy and speed is the way to do it and when i'm shooting a heavier bullet at a slower speed there's an argument between like oh well the energy on that round is going to be more than the energy on a lighter round but speed kills and when we're talking about expansion rates we're not talking about arrows Right, where you poke, yeah. you poke a hole in it and it hemorrhages from a fixed broadhead. Yeah. We're talking about a mechanical aspect that needs to happen uh, with a copper or lead projectile that needs to open up. So speed opens those up. Not it doesn't matter. Look, I'd rather get hit. I'd rather get hit with a baseball at 200 miles an hour than a BB at 200 miles an hour. I think with the lesson you're trying to convey to the listeners is you, you got to maintain a, a reasonable amount of speed to get any one of these copper Listen, bullets to open. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying like Matt, obviously at a certain point mass causes a ton of damage, right? Like the, the energy impact, that's what you need, but the speed itself is what's going to have these rounds open up. That, that's yeah. what I'm trying to get over there. Speed determines the bullet's ability to expand. Right. And I wanna, the only thing that, the only thing that kills is the bullet expanding. I mean, you pencil hole and I've seen pigs where, their um, lungs are plasmified to the side of the rib cage from bullets not expanding and having. I mean, it's it's kind of a bizarre thing. It's it's like these weird little spider webs of lung hanging onto the uh, rib cage from where these things have taken bullets um, through their. And it's you can see the old wound channels and stuff. Oh wow, so that does exist, and we have we have some pictures of it and stuff. But yeah, that yeah, I think 
you know that one that one twenty five, like every one of our bullets, like going into it, like I'm trying to maximize like a certain cartridge or a certain class of cartridges. Nothing, none of our bullets. I've just said, oh, I'm going to do this. It's like what? How can I maximize a six five Creedmoor? How can I maximize a six five PRC? How can I maximize a three hundred? You know. A 300 Win Mag asks for different things than a 300 Norma does, right? Yes. So I would tell I would tell guys like the, depending like which I would tell them different. I would say if there's different bullets for each one of those guys, same caliber, same you know. I'm sorry, yeah, same caliber of bullet and everything else. It's just twist rates come in different ways, you know, for the 300 Norma than it does a three than than a 300 Win Mag. And so I really, but I think yeah, I'm I'm kind of I think. uh I have a little bit smaller design for the six, five Creedmoor that I think would do really well. Um, I th- I mean, we're, I've got guys that are pushing, I personally pushed the, the one twenty five up over 3000 in a Creedmoor, mm-hmm. which is pretty, pretty Ask, insane. Asking a lot. Got, yeah. Yeah. I've had some customers doing it too. Um, certain powder combinations and all that. But uh, yeah, that bullet there in particular, yeah, twenty-two inch barrel, uh, you'd be pushing over three thousand all day, and that that three thousand, you know, there's a certain there's a certain thing that you know, certain um, velocity range that these projectiles sit into. That's like those magnum velocity ranges, and there's just a different, like they just do a different thing when they hit animals, right, you know, right. So and, that, and the thing is, is is um, you know obviously we're doing this copper lead discussion for our own benefit as well as the listeners. Right. But the majority of people that are going to that listen to this podcast that are going to purchase rounds or purchase bullets and reload, you know, getting 3000 plus feet per second out of a Creedmoor, man, that's for like the experienced reloader that knows exactly what they're doing. I mean, it could get dangerous real quick if you start messing around with pressures and not understanding what you're doing. So like right. to stay on the safe side of things, you know, from that 2,500 to the 2,850, that's completely reasonable for in-between velocities out of a Creedmoor. And, and you know, for a guy like me that wants more speed, I think the only, the only option I have is to drop the actual grain weight. So what do you have? So the 7 PRC is hot on the scene now, right? Yes. What, um, what bullet do you have? for the guy shooting sevens that you find works well in that medium to magnum class, you know, seven Sherman short, seven PRC type projectile. Uh, the R143 is just the, um, per, I mean, for a seven song, you're just, there's the, there's nothing that compares to it, in my opinion. Um, the, you know, the, it fits in a short action, which is pretty remarkable. You know, that bullet's pushing a 600 G1. I've had guys, like I just had a guy in Montana, and he shot a bull with it at 1,023 yards in a 7 Sherman short. Yeah. And the impact velocity was in the 1,800s or something like that, and um, 3,200 feet per second muzzle velocity. I'd say the 7 PRC asks for something a little different. Um, the 160 would be what I would run in that. If you run in... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say in the 7 PRC. That's what you Yeah, 7, P- 7 PRC, I would go up to the 160. The, your problem with the 7 Psalms, unless you're on a sh- mid or long action, which we have, my partner actually has a 7 Psalm on a long action, and it will run whatever we want it to run. 
which the seven psalm is just a phenomenal cartridge like it just does some things that it shouldn't do with the amount of case capacity it has you know um and just how inherently accurate it is is just remarkable um i haven't spent a ton of time with the seven prcs but what i have got feedback from customers and what i have seen yeah that 160 is we have that 100 that 160 grain bullet is probably that i did more time developing just the product in general off of that profile than any other bullet that was the bullet that i ran just trying to understand how to get these things to function for years um and so and that one actually the bc on it we're gonna trend higher than the 700 g1 that i have on there i have a lot of guys truing them up to 725 7 i've even trued it up on a on my personal rifle close to 750 um that that is, uh, yeah, the seven PRC and that one sixty is just unbeatable, ballistically. And when guys are making a selection, keep in mind that the traditional weights you may see with a traditional cup and core lead bullet, copper's less dense. It's going to be longer. So if you're trying, if your expectation is you're going to get the same grain weight, that bullet is going to be substantially longer. Correct. And for your seven Psalm, seven Sherman short, those guys make that consideration that you got to use a little shorter bullet or maybe a little less grain weight than what you traditionally do so you can fit in your magazine if you're on a short yeah. action. That 160 is 25,000 shorter than the 195 burger. That's, that is a massive bullet. Super it's, long. it's very big. I mean, visually yeah. it looks like a sleek round. I think just screaming. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. We, I, that 168, um, that was just one. I just, I, I love, I'm a, I'm a big seven millimeter guy. Um, so I just went about as far out as I, I wanted to see what I could maximize an eight twist to do. And that one sixty eight is the one I mean, it does that it barely gets by an eight twist. So, yeah. well, listen, Sam, <clears throat> dude, we've had you on for almost an hour now, man. And we appreciate you diving into, um, the ballistics of the products you pro- or provide. Uh, we thank you very much, man the insight you gave us and the listeners is going to definitely benefit a lot of people, man. We appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? No. Um, just anybody wants to reach out. If anybody has questions, um, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. You can message me. And as long as you don't look like a Russian bot or something, I'll send you my number. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, absolutely. And I'll get, get whatever information over I can and try to make it as easy as possible on guys. And yeah, I just, I wanted, I just appreciate all the support I've had doing this. It's uh, been pretty unreal this last year. So yeah, right on, man. Well, we appreciate it and we can't wait to try it out. That being said, man, plug your Instagram real quick. Yep. So you can check out our, our, um, the bullet, my bullet page at McGuire dot ballistics on Instagram and then Facebook. Um, yeah, that's about all I do. I'm, and so, yeah, you can check him out there. Okay, no problem. Well, listen, man, we appreciate it once again. Thank you very much for coming on and explaining it to us. Um, we'll push everybody that way and, and give them another option for, for reloading, and, and we appreciate it, bud. Thank you very much. Thank you, bud. Thanks, yep. Sam. Bye. Bye.